0: Hi, this is Mary, and welcome to my podcast, Mental State, where I dive into all things mental health and more. So today I have my friend Jacqueline on the podcast, and she is, I can see her now, she is really, mm, I don't know, excited to ask me a question. Okay, fire away.
1: Mary. Have you ever been in the situation where you obsessed about someone you were dating or an ex?
0: Way to put me in the hot seat. Seth, this is my well, way of I've, avoiding the question. I've, yeah, <laughs> my, my avoiding attachment is saying, ever. But my anxious attachment, when I was truly, truly in my anxious attachment, is, yes, I have obsessed about an ex and yeah. people that I've dated.
1: Where was your headspace at the time?
0: So just reflecting back, I can say that I was in a really dark place in my life. I was depressed. I was lonely. I was dating a slew of what I would now call avoidant men, or they just weren't the guys for me. And I was in a space where I was just sort of really wanting connection. And what I realize now is I wasn't obsessing over them per se. I was really like, I couldn't stop thinking about how much I wanted them to reach out to me. So it wasn't so much like, oh, I wanted them. I just wanted
1: them to reach out to me because that would just give me so much validation. You brought up two really good points. I think the first is when somebody you know creates that distance and you're in the obsession, that other person's in an avoidant role, most likely, and you are in an anxiously attached role, right? And the way that anxious attachment works, on one hand, it can be an over-attunement with other people. On the other hand, it tells us lies. And so one of those lies is, if I just get this thing, the, the dangling carrot, it will be okay. So it goes into obsession in order to make as much noise as possible inside the head, aka obsession, right? Because it thinks it's if it makes enough noise, It will get its need met. And the need is, like you said, for the person to reach out, the closeness, to feel that sense of connection.
0: And the thing is, is like you do, it's like I did get the need met. You know, the person did reach out and then they would disappear. And then I need the need, I would need the need to be met again. So I know you've talked a lot about how when we're running anxious, we're always kind of looking for the next thing. Like we can't really sit and enjoy the joy. Or we can't really sit in the moment. And so what I was realizing, it's like, okay, yeah, I got the thing. And now I need it. I know I need a next thing. It was like a drug, right? It's like I it, it's like it's a dopamine hit.
1: Did you at the time connect to the fact that you felt kind of bad about your life and depressed, or is it only looking back that you realized those symptoms? I definitely
0: knew that I wasn't in a good place in my life, but I didn't realize that what I was experiencing. Internally, was it was affecting how I was behaving externally? So I didn't realize I didn't put two and two together in terms of like, oh, I feel really crappy, and so I'm going to look for external validation. I mean, it, these aren't conscious decisions. This is just like I, you know, something needs to make me feel good, so I'm going to just be dating whomever because just by them dating me is giving me some sort of sense of validation. But it wasn't, I, I none of these were like conscious decisions.
1: That is such an important piece because what I see across the board is people with an insecure st- attachment style. And in this particular instance, we're talking about the anxiously attached part of ourselves. Often say, I feel great about myself in all these other areas, but for some reason I struggle in relationships or dating. And when we are in the throes of the anxiously attached behavior, It is not from a logical place. It is not from the secure place. It is from a place of dysregulation. And the over-identification with that of thinking, I must have this thing, I must have this thing, is really reflective of the fact that for anxious attacher, that kind of inner bicep, if you will, of strength within, of knowing thyself internally, is weaker than the external bicep of other people their validation, my connection with them matters more than what I feel on the inside. Like oftentimes for people who run anxious, it's just this person did this, they, they feel this way, whatever it is, it's about them versus what are you feeling? And there's really a, a kind of temporary amnesia that comes with anxious attachment. So if somebody, I can think of my own instances where, you know, I'm thinking about a particular person and. We'd had a great date. And then there was like some follow through, and it was all kind of eh, shady, spacey, whatever. He fell off the map. And I, of course, thought of like five different ways I could make contact with this person. Even though what I wasn't firing is that this person just, for whatever reason, had their own attachment issues or wasn't that into me, for whatever reason, couldn't go there. But the anxiously attached part of myself in that moment couldn't connect to those thoughts. It was like above all else, I just need this person to like me or to feel close connected.
0: Yeah. And, and I totally get that. Like I made so many terrible decisions based on my anxiety and wanting to be connected to somebody, you know, loaned out my car that the person crashed. I was like, that's okay. I'll get it fixed just so many you know or looking through somebody's email to get that validation like i know that there's something shady going on and so i'm going to be like a detective and and find the email where this person must be cheating on me and so just like really anxiety just like completely running the show and all of these really bad decisions
1: you know that just makes me think of an ex where this person in fact was cheating on me and it was the first relationship i'd ever been in where somebody cheated on me. But he was such a good manipulator that he would have me like he would turn my thoughts around where I would end up apologizing for even checking his phone or checking his email. And because I had already experienced some past trauma, I was more susceptible to questioning myself. So this isn't to say if your gut instinct, for example, is saying, you know, there's something amiss here. I'm not trusting something about this situation. It's not to say ignore that, but the obsession is almost the way out of the feeling. It's like, if I just figure it out, it will all be okay if I can just gain control, right? Because the unpredictability is that trigger for the anxiously attached part of ourselves. So obsession about an ex could very well be because if, if my love life just looks like whatever the picture of this person is, all is well, all is okay, because where do I stand if there's no one at the moment, right? And that can trigger those of us who run anxious. It, you could feel like there are plenty of partner, prospective partners out there when you're with someone, but all of a sudden when you're single, it's like there's no one. So I'm just going to focus on the X or avoid other areas of my life where I might not be as happy or I might be experiencing some pain. Instead, it gets transferred on to the thing that my brain thinks it can control.
0: And I like that you were saying about The because we're talking about, you know, on one hand, the obsession around people that we're actually currently dating. And then on the other hand, there's the obsession around the ex. And so the obsession around the ex could be something about, I can't tolerate being alone. Right. And so there's that anxiety of, I need to get this person back. I need to get this person back. And just like how you were saying oh, I was coming up with five different ways, right, to make this person notice me. Or and he did.
1: he did. Not for rarely. Here and there. I would give those little crumbs and then it would keep going. And And I think that's part of it, too, because I've done that, too,
0: where I was so obsessed with getting the person back that I would do whatever it took to get that person back. And even though deep down inside, there was there was something that wasn't very satisfying about getting the person back. It wasn't like, Oh wow, this is really feel you know, this is really filling a deeper need, but it was like more of that sh- those surface sh- those surface needs where it's like I just need to be validated. I just need this person to like me. I just need this person to pay attention to me. If I can get this person back, then that means that I have value.
1: You know, I re- that's why I call this the emotional survival response because they're really survival responses and Those responses, the obsession, the anxiety, although they feel painful, they're actually masking other feelings. Here's another part of anxious attachment and the obsession about an ex. I'd be real careful out there if you are trying to recover from anxious attachment and find yourself obsessing about someone who dumped you. Because every time you continue to indulge in that, you are reinforcing neural pathways which say, this is not enough. I am not enough on my own. I need this other person or whatever the whatever the brain is saying, you're just reinforcing that. OK, and we want to step away, do a new behavior, create a new thought, go regulate the nervous system. And what that does is over time creates new neural pathways where the brain starts to develop in. More secure ways, and people who run anxious deep down—it's not conscious, like we mentioned—feel the need to earn love. It is not enough to just be loved for who one is. And if I just work at it hard enough and get what I want, then then I then I win the prize. And like you said, Mary, it's really it's it's surface level because even when that person comes back around, it never feels quite as good as we think it's going to feel.
0: Yeah. And I love that you were talking about um, these aren't, you know, well, we both were talking about like how these aren't really like conscious decisions. I'm not consciously saying like, I need to win this person back so that I can feel validated. I mean, these are like deeper, deeper attachment wounds that go around with these like negative cognitions that we feel about ourselves. I don't matter. I'm not worthy. I have no value. I'm unlovable. And this is like when you're saying these are this is not conscious. A lot of our attachment is it can start in utero and also from the first zero to 18 months of our lives, which are pre-verbal, which is the time when we are creating these implicit memories, right? Because we don't have words for things. We're not connecting the dots. These are all, this is all a feeling, a sense. And so when when you were talking about that survival response, right, what part of the these wounds are these these attachment needs, like coming from a much younger place, this, this pre-verbal place, because it's not so much of a conscious like, oh, I need this person. It's like really a feeling. So what happens to me on the more visceral level when I feel like I'm being rejected, like I start to get more constricted, my My chest gets tighter, my heart beats, I start to sweat, I start to pace up and down like it's like i'm having this real visceral nervous system response
1: and the reason that visceral which is that connection to the felt experience those physical sensations is so important is because this is step one guys when you are triggered and in the throes of the obsession and you start to place that hat on of the curious observer noting as mary says your visceral experience of what's happening what it does is start to create a little space within your system that the body says, oh, this isn't my entire experience because there's some ability for us to observe rather than being just fully in the throes. And that, that, little, that pause or that ability to observe ourselves creates the space to allow ourselves to ask the next question, which is going to be number two. What do I really need to feel nourished? What does this part of me need to feel supported? And it is your job, especially if you run anxious, to learn to meet that need yourself or to decipher when you need to ask for help from others or when you need to fill your own cup. Because remember, that internal bicep of, of wellness within, of feeling nourished within is lower for people who are running anxious. And it's overdeveloped in people who run avoidant. It's like they say, I don't need anybody. I, and I'm afraid I won't be able to meet your needs. So let me just peace out. Right? it's the opposite.
0: Yeah. And I think also, you know, when I think back about these earlier relationships and, and really what, you know, some of these poor decisions or the decisions to be with certain types of guys was really based on stuff that I was missing when I was younger, you know. So I'm trying to recreate something in the present that I missed out in the past. And so I'm really expecting these guys to sort of step up to the plate. They don't even know that this is their job, right? But they have been recruited by me for a job. They have no idea that they're about to step into to meet every single one of my needs. (laughs) I love that you you phrase that. They have no idea. (laughs) They have no idea what this job is about. It's mission, if you choose to accept it, it is absolutely mission impossible.
1: And the, the sad thing is the anxious type isn't even aware of that at the time, right? It's, there's no differentiation. And perhaps I might be asking for too much. It, it actually can't tell the difference. But going back to, I thought you brought up such a good point, Mary, around that these people were, because it doesn't matter, straight, gay, f- fluid, it, it's all the same. Attachment is... Universal. Okay. But these people were giving you something that you didn't get developmentally. And whether that was at age five, age eight, age 15, it doesn't really matter. But you need to make friends with that part of yourself and heal developmentally what you didn't get. So looking at what you liked about these people can be clues in what you need to learn to give yourself. And some of that is just kind of like, it could be self-confidence, for example, and or self-acceptance. And
0: I want to get back to that because I think what you, that point that you brought up, it could be age five, it could be age 12, it could be age 16, age 22, whatever mm-hmm. age, right? I think what's important about that is, let's say you didn't get your needs met from, you know, your primary caregivers, okay? So then you go to school, social situation, and you find yourself in these situations where you're trying to figure out you know, how you fit into the world. And then you don't get your needs met from your friends because you don't know how to ask for your needs met because you don't know how to ask for people to meet your needs, right? Because you're a kid and why would you know that? And then at age 12, maybe you get shut out by your friend group. And then at age 16, maybe some, you don't get invited to the dance And then at age 22, your your college sweetheart, whatever, long-term relationship like dumps you. You start to accumulate these traumas that start to inform how you are in the world and how you are in relationship to other.
1: And that is what you might need to do some shifting around or redeveloping in order to have a new experience. And part of that involves making friends with that part of yourself. And I used, you know, kind of general ones, which are, I think, a, a bit difficult to grasp, right? Oh, self-confidence, whatever. These are kind of like vague amorphous terms, but it might be somebody who's really into a particular sport or into the arts. And maybe you've never dated anybody who is your intellectual equal because you always went for jocks or whatever it is. And what that signifies to me is there's that it can even be on that level of, okay, how can you allow in more of that energy in your life? Even when this person isn't there, right? Like how can you give, fill, fill your own cup? Yeah, how can you fill your own cup? Well, anxious attachers, I know you anxious bunnies are so good at doing the actions, right? Oftentimes it's like, well, I've done all the actions. I'm, I'm, I'm in the groups, I'm in the communities. I will say, just a little marker, we know people who run more anxious have a harder time being alone. And being single is inherently a more low it's a lonelier experience so it is going to involve getting out in different communities more right connecting more with people you have to make more of an effort but it's not just the activities you choose your energy around them are you really giving yourself whatever you're choosing with your heart and soul or are you just kind of like grinning and bearing your way through it those are two different energetic experiences
0: I think also noticing how you feel around certain types of people is really important too. Mm-hmm. And sort of like getting in touch, like when I was talking about those visceral feelings, like some people like Jacqueline, you know, I feel good. We have a good relationship. We can talk to each other about some really hard stuff. And, you know, I, I leave when I when we depart after doing podcasts or whatever it is you know, I leave feeling like, oh, my cup is full. Like, this is cool. We had, you know, this was a really fun experience. And then there are other people where I'm like, oh, you know, not so sure about that person. And so I think it's really important to like really kind of get that felt sense of different people that you're around, different friend groups, when you do activities, right? Even sense that, like, does this activity feel good to me? Does this not feel good to me? Am I doing this activity? Because I'm forcing myself to be in
1: community with people, but this is something that I don't really enjoy. Exactly. And just for (laughs) you anxious bunnies out there who are thinking, but I feel so giddy around this person and this is who I want to be with. That is the inner tigger. We are looking for soul nourishment. Okay. And again, just because someone rejects you, leaves, or, you know, there's distance in some capacity and you are obsessing about this person. It's not about that person being right or wrong for you. It's about you listening to your body and giving yourself what you need, because that is what creates part, a big part, if you run anxious, is what creates the secure attachment. Because you already have that strong sense of wanting to connect with others, etc. It's also learning that connection within. So
0: when Jacqueline and I were talking about this episode and she was asking me like, oh, have you ever been obsessed with a, you know, with a boyfriend or an ex? And, you know, now looking back, you know, I, I kind of made some, you know, snippy comment like, oh, they were just terrible guys. But then, you know, I really corrected myself because they're not terrible people. I was just in a really bad space. And They couldn't provide me with what I wanted. And so to label somebody who can't provide me with what I want as a terrible person, it's not their fault, right? Just like I said before, they didn't know the job that they were signing up for. They didn't even know that they were signing up for a job. And so now I look back and I'm like, you know, they were probably all pretty decent people, but like I can now look back on the way that I was acting in the relationship. And it was like, I was not acting
1: in a way that I wouldn't want to date me either. And maybe it was a mixed bag, right? Because you're seeing your side. And I wonder what, what they would say if they were here about their behavior, right? It's really. Oh, it's I, the... I
0: thought you were going to say, I wonder what they would say about, about you. I'm like, that crazy. <laughs> <happy aunt. laughs> she... she
1: broke into my apartment. <laughs> I <it's> getting... <laughs> What I mean by that is you are looking for somebody who's, in essence, a matchup for you, right? And if you are somebody who, like, I'll admit it, I have higher needs than some people and lower needs than others. And so what's gonna work for me is somebody who is meeting enough of those needs, right? It's never gonna be perfect. And I'm meeting enough of that person's needs. And then there's an openness for us to work together. It's not all or nothing. And so that's why you could kind of see Sometimes you go, what? Well, how did they find a partner right after me? What was wrong with me? Well, somehow the nervous systems matched up better. We don't know why, but they did, right? You probably don't have the full story. And if you run anxious, none of that is helping you because that's, again, reinforcing that story matters more than your own. And you need to be the star of your story. I am now talking, quoting The Holiday, but I do watch that movie, I, I will I love say. love The Holiday. I love it
0: so much my god you have to be
1: the movie star of your life right not the supporting character
0: if my reality could be something it would be the movie the holiday so that just also made me think about when you were saying like oh i wonder what their experience was i'm also wondering you know if i were in like a full-blown secure attachment if i felt grounded if i felt like i knew exactly what i wanted. Would I even, you know, if I were dating those people again, what, I mean, you know, we live, we can live in a lot of ifs, but I just think it's kind of an interesting exercise to be like, would I even, would we even get past
1: a second date? Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Would you even indulge in that behavior? Or maybe you'd see something and be like, "Mm, I'm not so into that. Or how much did I even really like them? Well,
0: I can tell you that I the roads were painted with red flags and I ignored all of them. I even felt crappy in the relationship. But this is something that we've talked about, right? Would I rather be at home alone feeling lonely or would I would, would I rather just feel lonely or crappy or unseen, unheard, not validated in the relationship? Because at least in those moments, I mean, girl, I was going for the table scraps at that point in my life. I was just like like a dog on the floor like gobbling up whatever was thrown <laughs> it was thrown my way. It was it was really sad.
1: Well, anxious attachment can be like settling for table scraps, right? Because the distress or the alert is so high that it's just like it needs the immediate satisfaction over the big picture because the distress is too high to be calm enough to look at the big picture. So We can't force you out of the obsession, but if you start to create awareness that it's happening and start to connect to what is my felt experience and observe it and start to ask yourself what you need to feel supported, to to feel soul nourished, this will bit by bit and over time, it is with consistent action and, and over a span of time, none of us get out of this for free. You've got to continue the work. Mary and I still do the work every day, every day.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I have, I haven't revisited them, but I have all of my journals from that time in my life. And it was funny because I was watching somebody on TikTok the other day talking about their journals and how they were looking back on them and how they felt, you know, so bad for that person at that time who was writing those journals, right? And so I also you know, one of the things that we love to talk about is having that sense of compassion for yourself. So I know that when I go back and read those journals, I might shed a tear or five, and I will also feel, you know, some empathy and some compassion for that younger version of myself who just felt so lost and hurt and sad and just really wanting somebody to connect with
1: and and who didn't know better who didn't get given a better toolkit in order to feel or act differently in the world and i'm so glad you mentioned that compassion piece which i do think kind of goes hand in hand the more that you're able to support those needs from yourself or ask for help from others when you don't know how to do it yourself is that brings compassion and people who run really secure Have compassion for themselves and others, right? It's really, it's the twofold, it's the balance. You cannot get to a secure place by being cruel to yourself. That's just reinforcing insecure messaging within your body.
0: Oh my gosh. I am so sure that so many of those journal entries were just, I was just so cruel to myself. Like, what is wrong with you? But yeah, I think that compassion piece is really important. And This is why Jacqueline and I love talking about attachment because, you know, we were just talking earlier and this theory is literally only about 40 years old Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a relatively new theory in the psychological world. And we were also talking about how, you know, attachment, your neurobiology, you know, all of this stuff goes hand in hand and this is all relatively new information Now, if I had had an attachment therapist in my 20s, it would be a totally different ballgame for me. I probably wouldn't have made all of these mistakes, which I appreciate because I look back and I grow from them and, and that's amazing. And now I have stories that I, you know, that I can share. But I just like look at just like all the pain and suffering that I went through so steeped in my anxiety that I think it would have been so helpful to have somebody just be able to explain this to me so I could make sense of what I was feeling on such a deep level, like these body feelings. Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling like towards this person? Why can't I stop calling this person or texting this person? Why can I not let this person go? It would have been so great to have a therapist who came from an attachment lens.
1: You know, looking back, I was in therapy for so long and it helped me in so many different ways. But it didn't get to the root of myself, my, my stuff, and my relationships did not get better until I discovered this piece. And I remember learning about it a little bit in grad school. I'd read some books on attachment, the, the book Attached, uh, Stan Tacken's books are great, Wired for Dating. But I still, it didn't kind of hit my soul until I started a continuing education training on attachment repair, which I just took on a whim and didn't really know what I was getting into. And when I started to learn about it in the way that they, the program I did had spoken about connection with body and how the body needs to develop a sense of trust because what you mentioned, right, neurobiological, right, you have to integrate our bodies and our minds in order to have a different experience in the world. When I started to understand that, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. This is what I've been missing. And since that point, that is when my relationship started to shift. And I do grieve how many years I lost by not dealing with my attachment issues just from not knowing they were there. And I I remember hearing a statistic. So this is not to lose faith or be scared, but attachment repair can take two to four years on average, which might seem long. But if you think about how long you've been living the other way, that isn't so long. And that time comes quick. So better to start now and make your way through, especially the younger you are, the quicker it will go. But we can change at any age, just might take a little more time. You can move into that earned secure state.
0: Oh, my God. I was like two to four years. That's nothing compared
1: to like exactly. the years of agony that I went through going, what's wrong with me? I'm a terrible person and I suck. I'm unlovable. And you will still experience improvement along the way. It's not exactly. just, you know, nothing I mean, until two years like, in, you know,
0: you're basically getting a master's degree in yourself, yeah. which is yeah. amazing. And, and that you're actually able to see the effects of what happens when you start to change the relationship with yourself and how you change relationships with others. Like, it's like you're you're constantly having all of these aha moments while you're you know working on repairing your attachment style. And if you have any questions about attachment style, obsessions over exes, anything about relationships and dating, or anything mental health, DM me on my Instagram at Mary B Therapy or reach out to me on my website marybtherapy.com. And thanks for listening.